You're listening to Capsule 98, the podcast where I interview a slew of iconic guests and we obsess way too much about life in the 90s. So welcome back to Capsule 98, the podcast that goes inside my brain when I was 13. And as you must know by now, we are currently the thick of season two. And by thick, I mean like the fourth episode, which who knows what it will end up being. So we could be in the thick of it and it could end tomorrow. If you're loving what you're hearing, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And leave me a little love note. I mean... You can be honest, but a five-star would really be great. And the new season is available on Spotify this year. That's new, um, in addition to Apple, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So feel free to switch it up if that's what you're into. Today on the show, we are talking about something that is ingrained in the hearts and minds of many a 90s child, romantic comedies. And today on the show, we have a downright expert, Elizabeth Sankey. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So as you could maybe hear, Elizabeth is calling from England. Welcome. I'm (laughs) so excited to have an international guest. (laughs) My favorite thing is actually to do like a bad English accent. Like, oh no, mate, I just (laughs) went down to the Tesco and didn't get anything that I needed. Like a bit like, um, I think it's Del Preston from Wayne's World, 90s ref. Oh my God. Yeah. um, That like... (laughs) kind of like rock star it's all the spinal tap voice as well like yeah so i turn up to a level which is a voice that doesn't exist in england but everyone knows it <laughs> yeah i mean my accent yeah i mean i i recently discovered that i'm really good at irish oh. um and which was sort of an accidental thing but now my friends make me do it like all the time and i have a whole character for it but english is is not is not the same what's the name of your character uh, she's just called <laughs> she's just called the little Irish girl. <laughs> she doesn't it's, have a um, name. That's so sad. No, she's just the little Irish girl. Getting back to to the reason why we're here, um, Elizabeth just directed an amazing documentary called Romantic Comedy, which is currently having many international debuts. Um, <laughs> you were so tell me where you were. You were in Rotterdam and then South by Southwest. We're going to South by Southwest uh next week but yeah so probably by the time this comes out i'll have already been um okay but yeah we did rotterdam um we did south by southwest or we're going to do south by southwest we've got cph in copenhagen there's a few others as well that i'm not allowed to announce yet the whole like this is my first time ever directing a film and so it's uh my first time sort of dealing with festivals and there's a lot of like rules about festivals that I did not know. Like you cannot tell people that oh. you've been accepted places, even not even publicly, but like you're not supposed to tell other people who might be at festivals or might know people at those festivals, which makes sense. But it's this, uh, it's it's very, um, it's very interesting thing to learn about for the first time. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So tell us about about the film. I mean, the name is quite self-explanatory, but um, tell us about the movie. Yeah, it's about prison. No, it's about um, <laughs> it's about. Uh, I grew up watching romantic comedies and and fell in love with them. Um, and I didn't ever realize that they were a fantasy. It's funny. I that there was some uh, two film critics, female film critics, reviewed the the uh, the film 
on a podcast and one of them was like I mean it's there's a lot of things she mentions but you know rom- romantic comedies are a fantasy though so it's okay to have this kind of aspirational world and I was like oh fuck I didn't realize the people know mm. <laughs> they're fantasies so I um took them very very literally as a child uh and teenager and woman uh, and then I got married and I watched them again because they would, they would just be something that I would just put on. Um, and I realized that, hang on, if I'm married now, this means that my romantic life is over because that's what happens in these films. And there's no other films that I can watch that are about romantic life post marriage other than it kind of going wrong. Um, and it was really depressing. And then I noticed all these other things about them that were really flawed and terrible that I'd never noticed before because I'm white and I'm straight and I'm privileged. And I, you know, these things that they are severely lacking uh, didn't affect me or f- affect my enjoyment of them. Um, and so that made me, that like set me off on this journey to to find out what's really going on. And at one point I was going to do it as like a TED talk, like the worst TED talk that anyone's ever done, <laughs> where I would like do like a one woman show and have like a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and then we worked with this director, Charlie Lyon, who's who's basically the reason that I made this film. And he'd made a documentary r- r- film essay about uh, teen films called Beyond Clueless, which is brilliant. And, he and I are very good friends and have been for years. And we got my band to do the score for that. And I think that made me realize like, oh, wow, I could actually do this about romantic comedies and it would work quite well. So I just ripped him off. So it was great. Yeah. I mean, I love his movie and I love your movie. I think they both, I mean, you could, I can tell that you're friends, I guess, now that I'm looking back, but I, I think that they both address things that are so deep like I said, like so deep in the hearts of people who grew up in the 90s, the 80s, the 90s, um, and the 2000s, mm. just because there's such, um, his movie was about teen movies and your your movie is about, is about romantic comedies. And those are two, I mean, speaking from my perspective, those are two of the, th- those are like the only things that there were for me at that, uh, you know, growing up. Um, mm. So it's, it's, it's amazing to look back at them. Um, so why do you think that, you know, as you said, you know, coming to adulthood and realizing that romantic comedies are limiting or challenging. Why do you think, uh, cause I think we sort of established that we both love them at the end of all that. Mm. Why do you think that uh, we're so obsessed with them? Because they're one of the only genres that aimed that's aimed at women. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I would argue they are the only genre that's aimed at women and they're a genre that deals solely with, uh human relationships like there's romance in a lot of other genres but romantic comedies are the only genre that have that as their sole focus and i think um there's a the supreme like lack of content for women and i think uh so it's very natural that when we see someone who resonates with us we completely lock into it um and and I think they contain so many tropes and ideas and worlds and characters that we're already very familiar with because they're just a part of this kind of social fabric and have been for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's just very, very easy for women to, or for women like us to sort of find ourselves in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that then 
there's a lot of things about them that are really negative. Um, but there's also, I think, the fact that you kind of enjoy watching something that has like a happy ending. And but it's really interesting, actually. I making this film, I've realised that every single woman I've talked to about it has a reaction to it that's quite strong. Whether it's oh my god, I can't stand romantic comedies, or it's oh I love romantic comedies, but oh my god, they're awful, or it's just I love romantic comedies. Women all have had a, a relationship to them whereas men have been a bit more like oh okay that's interesting that you're doing that uh and I'll say like do you like romantic comedies and they're like nah and then I'll say well what about like High Fidelity or 500 mm-hmm. Days of Summer or Notting Hill and they'll be like oh my god yeah I love those films um and it's kind of because they've got men as the the focus and mm-hmm. I think Everyone would find romantic comedies appealing if they could see themselves, their own sort of worlds and people who are like them reflected in them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they're so great and they're so powerful. Mm-hmm. And so let's go way, way back, all the way back. Do you remember the first rom-com that, that sort of made a big impression on you? Huh. I think, oh God, that's really tricky. I imagine I probably saw When Harry Met Sally with my dad and my sister. Uh, My dad would watch a lot of films with us and show us films. I remember House Sitter as well, the Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin one. I remember that, really loving that and having a kind of like um, very strong reaction to her and to him and to their romance and their chemistry. Um, I remember the first romantic comedy that kind of shaped something about how I saw the world was In and Out, because that was the first time I'd ever seen two men kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it very, very emotional. I didn't understand why they weren't, I didn't, I guess, I don't want to say that, like, I didn't understand why people weren't accepting them, because to be honest, I probably had never had any experience of any queer stories. So I was probably, I imagine, um, not super open to it. But I remember by the end of it, feeling very emotional that he was losing his job. Spoilers, by the way, um, <laughs> because of his sexuality. Uh, and so that really did affect how I saw um, that the queer relationships, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, when Harry met Sally, I, I feel like that was what, that's one that's just always been there. It's a bit like a Beatles song or something. Mm-hmm. It's just always been in my head. I mean, that one, that one has sort of stand, stood the test of time. Like, uh, you know, in your, in your film and everybody should obviously go see it after, after this episode or, or wait for it to come to your city, but we'll never be able to announce that. Um, when, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you talk about a lot of a lot of romantic comedies that sort of either don't stand the test of time. And and when Harry met Sally really is like, there's really not much to pick at. Correct. Yeah. It's yeah. so great. It's like boringly perfect. Perfect. It is. Yeah. <laughs> flawless. Yeah. Other than the rep- lack of representation, it is. Right. I think uh, a, a exceptional example uh, of the film and, the genre. And when, you know, when I think back to r- r- when I think back to romantic comedies, the movies that had the biggest impact on me, it was, I mean, when I got a little bit older, it became sort of the teen slant. But when I was really little, I just remember watching Julia Roberts movies, like at my grandmother's place, mm. like, you know, we would all crowd around the TV and like put the standards in the VHS, like Pretty Woman. Yeah. Um, those are, those are some like, you know, memories for me that are so 
nostalgic and so tied into the early nineties. Um, like to me, like I was at a party, uh, beside Julia Roberts a few years ago. And I've never been, I've never been so starstruck in my entire life. Like to me, she's like the pinnacle. Um, Yeah. I can't even imagine that she's a real person. Yeah. No, I mean, she didn't even feel like a real person to me. Like I heard her laugh and I was like, Oh my God, that's Julia Roberts's laugh. Oh my God. Um, That's, that's blown my mind. (laughs) Cause that's what I find so crazy about um, these films. And I mean, all of that stuff that we were watching in the 90s was that these people were so far out of our reach. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did live in a completely different world. And it, it kind of blows my mind now that teenagers can watch Riverdale or uh, The End of the Fucking World and they can go and find that person that they like on Instagram and they can kind of have a relationship with them okay the person might not reply but they can kind of have this insight into their real life that we just never had like the idea that as a 13 year old I could have gone and found Jordan Catalano that would that would have just oh yeah like yeah I would have I I don't like the idea that he was a real person would have just been insane I was reading about him in Sassy I was and like pouring over like every word he said of this like 500 word interview oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. So the idea that I could like watch his videos, which have just, <laughs> it's, I know. I, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and I also feel like you were the most like, the, like aside from the fact that you had no access and Instagram didn't exist, like it just, you were so, I mean, I was just so much more obsessed about things than I am now. So the, intensity of the like wanting to meet them is just like different. Like, you know, like I, I say this mm. all the time, like I, you know, I, I work in an industry where like I do interview these people or I at least could be potentially within their reach. And I remember thinking back to like, like I, I, I've, okay, well, I've never met them, but I remember at the time, like when I was a kid, I was so obsessed with the Backstreet Boys, like uh, out of control, like, like, like crying and the whole, the whole deal. Wow. And I like, remember I was at this H and M like, party a few years ago when the Backstreet Boys performed and I was like right beside them and I just remember thinking like oh my god if this would have happened when I was 13 like I would have I would have just like been like catatonic like I don't even know what the hell I would have done um so I feel like it's like it's the access but it's also just like we feel we felt so intensely at the time yeah and I think it takes you straight back to as you say like how you felt as a teenager mm-hmm. I think if you'd grown up seeing them and seeing them change in a much more kind of intimate way the way that teenagers and young people can now you maybe wouldn't have felt the same way Mm -hmm. but it's the fact that you had that relationship where they were just so completely untouchable they they were like aliens these superhuman beings that were just never ever going to be a part of your universe Mm -hmm. and so you just go straight back there I love those moments those are my favorite moments where I'm just like I wish that like 13 year old me could be here right now because this would have made her lose her mind (laughs) so what was your what okay so what was your love love life like like in the 90s like did it did it resemble a romantic comedy in any way um well I'm 34 so in the 90s I was you would have been like still very young yeah I mean let's say late 90s like 11 um no I never had I didn't I I didn't have a, my first boyfriend until I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was too scared to kiss him. Uh, <laughs> and then he dumped me because he said I was frigid. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and 
<laughs> great guy. Um, and then I think I was just very, very, I think I was quite late to all of that, which I'm actually, I, I feel quite nice about now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was very much like in my own world and would fall in love with people from afar, but that, and that would be enough for me. Cause I would just kind of imagine these realities with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until I was about 17 or 18 that I had my first like long-term relationship. And by long term, I mean about a year. Um, and it was with a guy in a band and I've only, I've mainly dated boys in bands, which is depressing. Um, nothing against boys in bands, but, you know, <laughs> and then, but I remember that with that, I was very much like trying to be the girl that I thought that he wanted me to be. And I remember little things like I'm quite, uh, loud and, and, and silly. And he'd be like, just, just be, be quiet. Just, and oh! he'd kind of try and. Yeah, so there were things that he obviously wanted. He was happy to be with somebody who was willing to sublimate themselves and to sort of... uh, I feel bad talking about it because he's... (laughs) He's a person. He's like still a person. Um, But also, I don't feel that bad because, uh, you know... Um, But yeah, so I definitely... That's something that really resonated with me about these films when I went back and looked at them was how much they encourage uh, women to play a role in the life of the man Mm -hmm. rather than having their own agency necessarily. Um, Because I definitely, definitely did that. I was, I was definitely like trying to be a cool girl and uh, trying to just be like, yeah, no, I'm easy going. Like never, never like fighting, never saying I didn't like something and never um, trying to exert my own sort of desire or agency onto him. I was very easy. It was just wanted to be easygoing Mm -hmm. which you know it's not his fault that's not his it's not his responsibility to like coax annoyance out of (laughs) me (laughs) so you talk yeah I mean you talk a lot about the myths perpetrated by rom-coms in the film um and yeah you talk about the cool girl and sort of like that it's exemplified by something about about Mary um maybe tell me a little bit about Mm. that well um I have a I have a complicated relationship with the Farley brothers because Oh, you mean the the experts behind Greenbuck? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't just one of them direct it. I haven't even I'm just I'm not even like I can't even read anything about that film. It's like um, I haven't seen it, but I'm never gonna see it and I'm still gonna shit on it nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like but I'm, oh, anyway, that's a yes. different subject. But um, yeah, no, I have a real issue with their films because that's another thing is that so many, I've so, I know so many people really love them. Uh, a lot of men as well really love them. And I, I kind of understand why because they're so often from the male perspective. But I think that with something about Mary, they really <sighs> perpetuated this idea that the ideal woman is a woman who behaves like a man but in the most feminine body um, and uh, is willing to, and it's just basically like, that's what makes her the most desirable woman to the point that people stalk her and that every single man that meets her falls madly in love with her. And it's because, and it's in a way it's like 
guys, just fuck a man. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you want to have sex with a man, it's fine. Um, but the whole, the trouble with it is that she is naturally really, really cool. As in, it's not like she's ever pretending that to like hot dogs and want a man that like eat, drinks real beer, not light beer. That's, that's what Mary actually really wants. Um, you know, she's obsessed with sports. Uh, and there are women that are like that for sure, but I don't think that they're similar to Mary. Um, also, she gets changed in front of a window at night with the <laughs> light on, and I just don't think a woman would do that. No, I yeah, I mean personally, I've always hated the concept of a girl who can eat anything and like never be fat because that has just been personally it's such a fucking nightmare to me and my ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember I I remember um I've definitely like had issues with food and controlling food and I remember that I would have dates and I would not eat all day so that then I could like go oh, out god. on the date and be like oh god I just love food uh. and I'll just eat whatever I want and and it's uh it's a nightmare it's a nightmare it's 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 like who are you doing that for and and I've been with my husband for 11 years and I think it took me about five years for me to actually sort of let go of all of that stuff and to really realize who I was and what I wanted and what I needed. And thank God he still wanted to be with me when he saw, quote unquote, like the real me. Um, but it takes a long time to mm -hmm. unpick all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult. So since everything in the show somehow comes back to 1998, the year that I made my time capsule um, and kept all my tickets of all the movies that I yes. saw, I would love to talk about, yeah, oh I mean, God, yeah. the proof is sort of in my movie tickets. Um, I I mean, people who listen to the show would already know this, but um, I saved every single movie ticket and then included like ratings on the back, like out of five, what I thought. Um, and, and I mean, there's some, Amazing. there's 1998 was a big year for movies, especially rom-coms you've got male the wedding singer can't hardly wait the object of my affection is one that i recently like i totally forgot about do you did you rewatch that i did i i have a lot of time for that film actually i mean i don't rem I, I haven't seen it since like that time probably yeah. but it's Jennifer Aniston is best friends with Paul Rudd, who's gay, and she ends up becoming pregnant, and then she falls in love with with him. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. No. 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 They're like, she gets pregnant by her boyfriend, who's just the worst, and she wants to break up with him, so she breaks up with him, and she says to Paul Rudd, her best friend, like, "Would you raise the baby with me?" And he's like, "Yes, of course," but then she falls in love with him and is kind of why can't we just be a couple and it's like babe he's gay and then yeah um, <laughs> and then but it ends really nicely and i think if i remember correctly it ends with her being with a black cop and he's with this another well, a gay man which makes sense um and I, it's not perfect. There's a lot of uh, like the, I, I I hate that fucking trope of like a gay woman try I, a straight woman rather trying to turn a gay man because oh my I don't God, think yeah. that ever happens. No, that was I mean that probably happened in 1950 when when yeah you know, when they were forced to, to hide yeah. who they were yeah. But, but I, I think that's probably another pretty damaging trope for me because yeah. I was a I was the epitome of that girl who thought that I could like ungay my friends. 
Really? Um, oh my god, so it does happen. <laughs> oh my god, 100%. But I was also just like, I mean, that was before I realized that like gay guys were all like just going to be my best friends. Like, and yeah. you know, obviously they're, I'm surrounded by them now. But at the time, I remember thinking like, oh my God, like, well, I remember at the time thinking, you know, again, going back to when Harry met Sally, that whole idea of like, can women and men be friends? Yeah. Um, and I remember, I, I remember, I mean, this is getting into like high school, but I remember I had two best friends um, who, you know, ended up coming out, but one of my friends, I remember when he, I remember we like, we would, we would all get like drunk and just like make out or something. And then I remember when he came out as gay, I was just like, oh my God, like I, I invented this drama. Like, what did that mean? Um, yeah. and it just, Aww. it just meant that like, <laughs> it's, it's just being a teenager. Yeah. Um, so, well, it was, okay. It, so, was, it was a different time. I think uh, my gay yes. friends, um, we, I have this group of friends who I'm still best friends with now and we we talk every day and uh it was it's like a big group of boys and then there's like four or five girls as well and all of the girls we were all like oh who which one do you fancy which one fancies you Mm -hmm. and then gradually so many of them came out um and I think I, I think as as a teenage girl you just don't understand what's going on because and and to be fair I don't think I think it was it was far more difficult for them than it was for us um but it was kind of amazing when we found out like oh that one that I thought maybe one day would happen something would happen with us has actually been with the other one of the other boys oh okay cool yes okay. totally All right. yeah <laughs> um, I mean yeah it's yeah it totally um, yeah. So, okay. So hold on. Getting back to these movies of this year, you've got mail. Um, yeah. that, that one is another kind of like Canon one that's become kind of like a, a fun, it's had a funny aging process just, I mean, just on the basis of like the internet yeah. um, and where online dating has gone, but it's also had an interesting, um, aging, uh, in terms of the guy being such a, fucking asshole yeah but <laughs> that is one people love that movie uh i didn't i didn't put them up that much of it in my film which i feel bad about but i just didn't have time but um i know several of the interview subjects were like that's my favorite film i really want to talk about that uh i'm not i don't really get it like i i really enjoy that film i think nora efron is the best thing to ever happen to rom-coms but um yeah, for me, it 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 doesn't really, it didn't really do much because I was just like, she lost her shop. I always, I just fetishized her shop and I just yeah. thought how incredible to have this super cute shop that's like all wood paneled and it's really Christmassy and festive and they just like sell books. Like what a dream. So when he takes that from her, I'm just like, of oh course. my God, you're the worst. Um, yes, Totally. Another, so an interesting, so the the reason why uh, the, the, I came to new, know you because I was writing this article about the resurgence of romantic comedy for Elle Canada, shout out April issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people I spoke to in connection with the article said that uh, one of their favorites, uh, it's not, it's not a 1998, I believe it's 1997, but my best friend's wedding um, is another one that people really, really love um, as I guess Julia Roberts being a little bit of like an anti-hero and sort of creating a narrative that's not like the obvious one. Is that mm. also one of your favorites? 
I um yeah, I mean I do really love that film. But Juliet but her character in that I I try and I've I've been thinking about it a lot and I've been trying to work it out because I read an article that was like, she's the worst. And also I rewatched it recently, obviously, and realized that she Julia Roberts' character makes the deal uh, with her best friend that they will get married when they're at the ripe old age of 28 which is so astonishingly young <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, like that's just straight out of the 50s so um but but she's I like her character because she's there is one bit where she falls off the bed uh, so she's a tiny bit clumsy, but on the whole, she's like a very driven, successful woman who's not apologetic. But then she's also really, really, really horrible to Cameron Diaz's character. And Cameron Diaz's character is like going to leave university at 20 to get married to this guy. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of I, th- I feel like that it could have been a film that was written um in like 1952 and just been locked in a vault somewhere and then they were just like it's great we'll just make it now but we'll just give them all like crop tops and 501s <laughs> I mean I think what I think the thing that that made yeah I mean I remember at the time thinking that she was so um unlikable but now when I watch it again I sort of I mean the, the thing that sort of I guess makes it a little bit more interesting is just because she's not a She's not a villain, but she's also not a complete, like you don't exactly root for her. So it kind of, I guess, brings up idea of like the idea of like a complex female lead who doesn't just like want one thing, you know, there's like different things going on at the same time in her head. Yeah. And I think it's super relatable. The idea that you would panic um, when you found out that somebody, like, I think that's very, very common that you might have a friend in your life that you always think, oh, but the back of your mind, like maybe they kind of like me, you know, there's somebody who thinks I'm really special. And then when they find someone that you might actually feel really threatened by that and freak out, I think that that's actually quite relatable. Um, but it's just such a shame when you think that there's so few films that have strong female friendship just anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's definitely a, a like a, a in the bad column in terms of that. That's that doesn't tick that box at all. Yeah. Did you see um, that new movie with Rebel Wilson? I'm totally blanking on the name. Oh, isn't it? Romantic? No, it hasn't come out here yet, but I really want to see it. Have you seen it? OK. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 getting a lot of flack for being, you know, there's a resurgence of romantic comedy and we're talking about like, you know, adding new people into the mix and making yeah. it not just about, you know, a thin white woman finds love. Um, so in this case, Rebel Wilson is a, is a bigger girl who grew up sort of thinking that she didn't deserve romance because she didn't look like the leads in the films. Um, and then the current day in the movie ends up becoming trapped in a rom-com. The reason why it's getting a lot of flack is because she had to knock her head um, and wake up in a dream to realize this. Um, and there's a lot of like woman knocks herself unconscious and then finds out that she's actually okay. Um, it's getting a lot of flack for that. I still, I mean, I enjoyed it. It had a lot of laughs definitely. Um, and it touches on a lot of the tropes, um, present in romantic comedy. So for example, you were just saying like, um, 
uh, shit, what was it? You were just saying something about a romantic comedy trope. About oh, being that, best friends? Yes. No, that the there can't be, friends? yes, yeah. that there can't be female friendships. There was, um, you know, in real life, she has this best friend. Um, and then in her like dream romantic comedy life, this best friend becomes her like mortal enemy. Um, and, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then it also comes, it also touches on the fact that like the gay best friend is just there to like perpetuate like stereotypes about gay people and like has no life okay. of his own and is just like there for her like you know to talk to when she has a problem um so i mean there's like yeah, yeah there, there there's some fault a little bit of fault to it but it's like it's fun and silly like it worked it made me happy it also was one it was uh, i saw it up with my with with my one of my gay best friends on 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 uh valentine's day and the whole it was one of those movies where the whole movie theater was like in on it like people were just like oh Ugh. yeah love it go girl um that's, that's sort of like a communal experience i really appreciate in a movie uh in a movie about women uh <laughs> yeah so i love that like because also women buy more cinema tickets than men and mm-hmm. i've i've noticed i'm sure you have what as well like when there is an event that it's like a cinema event of like a, a film being released that is aimed at women. Women fucking turn up. Yes. They go. I'm sure it's the same for films that are like predominantly aimed at men as well. But there's something about being in that room. I, I went to see I Feel Pretty and it has very similar issues I think of like only in a fantasy or a dream mm-hmm. world could a woman who is fat be thought of as attractive um, which is obviously a nightmare. Um, but there was some there was something about watching it with other women and uh, there's still although it's very flawed there's still moments of like real joy and uh humanity yeah. that are really really fun to experience with with other women absolutely i um, i also not romantic comedy but i also saw magic mike in a in a full theater magic same <laughs> oh my god people were like out of their minds it was the most fun yeah. movie experience of my life <laughs> God bless those films, seriously. Yeah. I I like want the men in my life to watch them because they're really, really important pieces of theatre. Oh cinema. my god, yeah. This is what drives me man as well, is that like when it's understandable that stuff that's aimed at women might not be appealing to men in the same way or hetero men. Uh not all men, but some men but then the problem is that so many of the reviewers are men and so these films just I know like the same with romantic comedies that quite a lot of men that I've spoken to who are feminist who are liberal who are allies are just like yeah eh, I'm not into it it's like yeah because it's not meant for you but that doesn't mean you can like dismiss it you should still try and engage with it because there's something you might learn something Mm -hmm. like I feel like men could learn a lot from magic (laughs) (laughs) absolutely I mean at the very basic like movement and it's soda bug it's it's so great it's so great um so assuming that we will never give this genre up i mean i'm personally not going to the amount of time i spend watching no never give romantic comedies what are some positive steps that can be instituted going um, forward i guess yeah for me it's like please make romantic comedies where you have women who are not traditionally attractive or uh, cis or um, white as the leads please please do that white but don't make it that there's got to be some weird freaky twist like why can't there just be like there is uh when you look at a film like when harry met sally there's no weird premise there there's no trickery there's no ridiculous idea that 
one of them's in a coma or one of them's been employed by the parents Mm -hmm. to hang out with them. There's nothing like that. It's just literally two people meeting and like clashing, but also like being kind of interested in each other, which is how it was in the 40s and the 30s as well, romantic comedies. And that formula works. You don't need to change that formula. You can just inject like new characters um, and different types of people and different aspects of the world into it and it will work so that's what i'm really really hopeful for uh because i i like a lot of i know people are talking about and we've talked about this before obviously but i know people are talking about oh there's a resurgence of romantic comedies which is great because i too love the genre obviously but what i see is that there's still this thing of oh it's a romantic comedy but there's yeah somebody being knocked on the head or falling off their exercise bike it's not right it's just two people falling in love, but one of them happens to be a trans woman, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think crazy rich Asians was a great example of that. Like it was, it was the first time in a really long time that I actually felt like I was just watching like a straight up romantic comedy. Like there was glitz, there was glamor, there was fantasy, there was love, there was humor. Like I just, there was no secret, like crazy twist. It was just like an amazing story. Like it was just beautiful to look at and it was like fun. I enjoyed it like so deeply. Yeah. And it, I mean, it did, it was, it was about very privileged people. But it dealt with stuff. Which is part of romantic comedy. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know? But also it kind of, it did try and address that when the scene with the mom at the end. Oh my God. Um, it did kind of try and like, she she's an outsider. And so, and she's an outsider because, not because she's clumsy, but because she's from a different background, which is great. I mean, it did have a stream at a wedding as well which is something that I've never seen in cinema before or in real life. Um, So yeah, I think there was a lot of good stuff there. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, Can you tell everybody, okay, so the movie is sort of coming out in, in spats. Uh, I guess in the meantime, where should people find you until, until the movie comes out? Um, And I keep calling it a film. I should be calling it a documentary. No, 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 call it a film, call it a film. It's a so movie not a intelligent enough to be a documentary. <laughs> so cool <laughs> to film. I mean, it's it's so great. Thank you so much. Um, it's gonna be uh, the information if they it's on my Twitter, which is at Sankles, uh, or it's at Romcom Movie for everything for Instagram for Twitter, uh, and it will have a release. Uh, it will definitely be online. There might it might also be in cinemas. Um, Ooh. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, there's convers there's conversations. It's very exciting, but um, yeah, it will definitely be available at some point. So I will be tweeting about Amazing. that. I will be harassing okay. people about it with tweets. Yes, I will. I I mean, everybody who listens to this, I mean, go tell everybody that you need to see this movie. And it's not, um, I've got, I just want to say, it's not, um, I do, I, I, I'm so like, I really want to make it clear that I love romantic comedies and it's not just me saying that they're terrible. <laughs> Cause I no, do worry I mean, about that. I, I felt, yeah, no, no, no. I felt, I felt the total joy and I felt like, I felt like you illuminated 
some things that I, that I either hadn't thought about or maybe was thinking about, but it was sort of like in the back of my mind, but you still made it fun to watch. I mean, the reason why I loved it so much is because I love rom-coms. So like, it just was like a joy to watch. Okay. Thank you so much. Also, also my friend, Auntie Donahue is one of your, <gasps> she's in is one of your experts who, yes, who has been on this show um, last season talking about Titanic. I'm, I really <laughs> wanted to get into a Canadian festival so I can actually finally meet Anne. Uh, we've like we oh, did a yeah. podcast together for a year, and we've never actually met, and we've but we've known each other. We've been like email friends. I but I feel like Anne has a lot of email friends, but we've been email friends for a very very long time, and it'd be so amazing to right. actually see her in person. Yeah. So as always, you can find us at Capsule98 on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, and don't forget to rate and review. Um, and Elizabeth, um, one thing that I make all my guests do. So when I was 13, I made up this expression that I thought was going to be the new fetch um, or the old fetch because Mean Girls didn't um, come out yet. And it's get out of my facial act, um, which doesn't really make sense, but I want to make it a thing. So if you could please give us I get out of my facial act. That would be amazing. Get out of my facial act. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. That was amazing. Can you do it in Irish? Get out of my Just facial kidding. act. <laughs> <laughs> I should do it in <laughs> Get out of my facial act. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.